I have some new friends that feel like old friends in terms of just heart connection. Jason Clark and Derek Turner, welcome, welcome. Good to be here. Nice to see you again. Yeah. And if you don't know them, uh, you will want to get to know them. And I I thought I'd read a little bit, uh, probably the the thing that may be the, the... uh, one connection point uh, that you may know them from is Rethinking God with Tacos and um, Everything's Better with Tacos and Everything's <laughs> Better with God. So you mix the two and life is good. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let me do let me do the bio. So you have sort of a, a brief glimpse, a little bit of, of the journey. So Derek Turner, follower of Jesus, in love with Sarah Turner. I love that. Father to, is it Kara? Caro. Caroline. I got Caroline and Kate. Car- Father, Father to Caroline and Kate. Kate. I had the abbreviations there, so I had to kind of figure it out. Owner of Milo, who is what? A, what what's Milo? Uh, he has a, ne- a neutered Havanese uh, diva dog. So basically I live with three women and a neutered dog. That <laughs> that's that's, that's my family. You testosterone line, you do it. That's great. That's why I like hanging out with Jason and talking about tacos so much. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, amazed by grace. And then you're the pastor at River Church Charlotte. So, um, and then Jason, I love this part, is a relational theologian. If I were to steal anything, I'd run with that right now. Although I'm not sure I fully understand the implications, but I'm liking what I'm hearing. Um, (laughs) A storyteller who writes to reveal the transforming kindness of the love of God. He's authored several books, including Leaving and Finding Jesus, Prone to Love, and then you're working on a God is not in control. Nobody panic. Uh, but anyway, welcome, guys. And I wanted to mention, Derek, you are also having uh, a book that's that's called Make Room and is a 21-day yep. devotional on the uh, Gospel of John coming out in September. So here, here is that's the right. You need to start searching on Amazon for all of these. And then will that be on Amazon when it comes out, Derek? Yeah, yeah. It'll drop on Amazon September 1st, 2023 right. and be available. It's a 21 day devotional, just going through the gospel of John. Yeah. It's my first, it's my first. So exciting. And, and that's a good book to track with for 21 days. I love that. So anyway, welcome. Uh, We were having such a great time before we started taping. We thought we might as well start taping and uh, actually record some of this for everyone else. (laughs) So (laughs) Derek, you were saying that, um, there was something about church culture that you've been sort of tracking with that has a real zing on it for you. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I have been pastoring since uh, I've been pastoring for 20 years here in Charlotte. My wife and I moved out to plant the church. We did so in our living room. We've been through all the ups and downs and phases of life. Uh, But I essentially went through a pretty major deconstruction, disorientation while I was pastoring um, and literally stopped reading my Bible. That's incredible. 
Yeah. Well, I've stopped reading my Bible except for the gospel of John. So for those two years, my congregation just got an earful of John and the gospel of John, but um, God was very patient with me. And um, I've been patiently bringing our congregation along into some of these, these new thoughts, but you know, river church is uh, a typical Sunday morning church. Although now we are meeting on Saturday nights. That's another story. I can tell you all about it, but um, I guess for me, I've kind of, gotten tired of the concert and the Ted talk and that's church. I want to see more engagement. I want to see more questioning. I want people to be able to air out their doubts, their fears, and to create more dialogue. So we've been doing some innovative things. And it's not that innovative, but it's just having a meal together. You know, instead of meeting on a Sunday and sitting in rows, we move into circles, have chairs, set up tables and chairs and have a meal and we'll still worship and pray, but I don't speak. I, we just wrestle with something in scripture in tables of like eight or six people. And I found that to be just extremely refreshing. Uh, you know, it's messy, but uh, I, I think the church is going through a reset right now. And we're going to figure out that if we don't rally around Jesus's one command of love one another, the way that I have loved you by this, all will know you're my followers, then what are we doing? So yeah, it was a long answer for the fact that <laughs> I pastor a church. <laughs> it's a perfect answer. And, you know, any, any time we're tracking around that love one another as I've loved you, sing, I'm good to go. That is great. And that is, is the commandment. And, you know, Jason, you were, uh, I recently read your book, Leaving and Finding Jesus. That is, you need to get that book, everyone. So just go, just go now, go get it. Don't, don't Thanks, skip buddy. the podcast, Thanks. but that's really good. Um, what, how, how is, are you tracking kind of with the same sort of, I know you have your own story. Now you've pastored a church in the past, correct? I was an associate and a family pastor and I've been a worship pastor over the years for sure. Yeah. But, um, in the last, uh, almost nine years now, we've had a family story ministries, which has primarily been, um, a hub for creating content, whether it's books or, uh, podcasts, uh, the podcast that Derek and I do together is under that uh, covering. And uh, then I travel, speak a little bit and a lot of writing, uh, a lot of writing. Um, uh, but what Derek and I connect around is, is, um, is the love of God. It's, you know, Derek and I've known each other for, for probably 18 years on and off. We, we have a similar journey in that, um, you know, we both, we call it the the Jason of 20, the 20 iterations ago or the Derek of 20 iterations ago. And we met 20 iterations ago and then both kind of, and connected for a period of time. And then both kind of went our, mm-hmm. our separate ways and, and navigated. I have a similar story. I had two years where I had to reset my lens, ended up in the gospels, just uh, discovering Jesus as perfect theology. And then diving back into, um, what, you know, as you get that Christocentric lens, you start diving back into Old Testament and you start tackling some questions. And and because I'm a communicator, yes, yeah, because because I'm a communicator, and my my number one passion is that we, we that we find intimacy. So I only have one message, one thing I'm writing after. Every book is is written for the purpose of intimacy, and you can't have intimacy where where you can't trust, and where he isn't always good, you can't trust them, and. And so I, because I'm a bit of a pioneer sometimes, or I, I might be, you know, I come up with these titles. I, I might be a, a few 
a few steps or maybe not steps ahead, but at least in, in the areas that I'm in, sometimes I might make a few waves um, by what I'm chasing down in order to find intimacy, some flaw on my God lens where he isn't good enough. And so I'm cut off from intimacy. And so I'm passionate about understanding that I'm trying to figure out why it's not happening here. What, what's, what's causing disconnect. And so I, I chase it down and, and we found a, a Derek and I reconnected um, probably four years ago because we were both chasing down the goodness of God in ways that were maybe making a few folks uncomfortable, but but also um nice way to put that yeah that's the way that's the truth but Derek reached out to me in the middle of, of a place where I made some folks uncomfortable <laughs> and and man we've been running together it's been so fun we do this podcast we think in God with tacos where really all we're doing is talking to people like you we've had you on and amazing and I, I was just telling our mutual friend Jamie Englehart a couple of days ago about you we were talking about uh, the journeys and this awakening to the love of God that, as Derek said, we're finding uh, is taking place in the church, outside the church, outside of the, the context of what, how we think about church. And so we're rethinking. That's what we do together. And we have folks on who are convinced in the goodness of God. And it's, man, it's been so much fun. I'm talking too much now, but no, uh, it's that's, that's wonderful. it. Thank you. Keep talking. I, that's why I brought you <laughs> on to talk. So if you guys have <laughs> it's going to get really awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, from my perspective, Jason and I have always been friends and we, but we never really connected around any kind of doctrine or theology early on. Um, but you know, we were followers of Jesus and yeah. Jason led worship and I followed his you know path in here in Charlotte and he kind of followed mine, but I really believe that um, something happened, something shifted around the time that the shack came out, William Paul Young's book, the shack, and then the movie um, Jason had a, a previous co-host that he worked with that they interviewed William Paul Young. And, um, and I think that was a start of something shifting, at least in our American church culture to get people rethinking God. And, and of course yeah. I had, I had been through, you know, literally I I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church my whole life. I know the Bible inside and out and thought I was certain about a lot of things. Um, and I think the sin of certainty in churches is horrific when people are wanting to be able to ask questions, but just that, that progression and that reset that we kind of saw, um, you know, Jason was able to have some great guests on like Brad Jerzak, Baxter Kruger, William Paul Young, uh, Brian Zond, and, and some of these people that were, you know, a little further ahead in their goodness of God, Bill Johnson, both of us have a Bill Johnson yeah. story. When he made the statement, God, Jesus is perfect theology. That's the bedrock of everything for me. I, I don't read my Bible independent of Jesus being perfect theology. And so we came together and started, yeah. I agreed to help with tacos, rethinking yeah. God with tacos. And uh, I mean, how many have we, how many seasons have we done together now, Jason? Two? Three of the four, and we're over okay. episodes now, uh, or podcasts, I guess you call them. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, I guess we're 100 in. I should know what they're called. That, that's episodes, a, podcasts. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah. I think the podcast is a big thing with the episodes, but I do the same thing. I call it podcast. Yeah. Because yeah. we're on, well, we're on YouTube now too. So what do you call that? I mean, it's. You just call it a, your video right cast portion yeah, video podcast that's right that's it. A target 
But but what we're finding, Catherine, because we talked about this uh, before we got uh, you hit record, uh, and I think you're finding it too. You know, we started when I when I launched the podcast. It was to be faithful to the mandate of the of a family story and what we were doing. And I am a I'm a I'm a communicator mostly through on on page. But but um man, we discovered two things. Well, three things. Everybody loves tacos. That was good branding. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but but two things I had felt really alone in this journey uh, for so long. Um, you know, my wife and I thought we were crazy and we kept being con- people kept confirming it to us, too. So it was it wasn't like people are you know, happy would, to confirm that it's yeah, yeah. it's sad, but keep going. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I joke and laugh about it and we were OK, but, uh, you know, we we were paying some prices for for some of the areas where we believed he was good and, and, um, but very lonely at times. And so the podcast blew up our world that way, because suddenly we found an overwhelming amount of people that we just, the guests that we had on, but then secondly, and what we were talking about before we got on is, is we found folks hungry for community where they also have gone through these, you know, the story where we, I thought I was pretty unique when I said I left reading scripture and just only read the gospels for two years. But then I, I'm talked to Derek and he's like, yeah, me too. And it's amazing how many people are on a similar yeah. journey where they had to reset their lens, where, where they had a, where they had a penal substitutionary lens that was, was messing some things up and, and maybe they don't have the language for it, but they, they just this God is better than he's better than I'm, I'm aware of some, you know, for me, it's, he's better than the last best thought I had about him. Right. And, um, and, and so how do we, how do we navigate that? And, and I, and so the second thing was we, we're finding a whole lot of folks and I think you are too, that say, Hey, um, how do we, do you know anybody in Austin that thinks like this, you know, still wanting to do church, still wanting to do community, but feeling very alone. And and, and so that's the other thing uh, we've found. I, I think you found that too. Oh, absolutely. You know, we kind of did a little differently because we had actually planted a church and then it kind of became a school. And then I was uh, going along with that for a while. And then the Lord called me out and put my own ministry. So it wasn't that um, we were always strange, wild and wonderful, but really tracking with this intimacy and goodness of God. And then, of course, God had ministered to me so much about him as the person of love. So by the time he called me out my own ministry, I was already tracking with this. And then I found this community where a lot of people had been wounded because their concept of God being so good did not fall in line where they were looking for good, but, or love, but, but there's nothing past mm-hmm. love good because that's all God is, yeah. is love, yeah. Yeah. light. Yeah. And life, you know, so yeah, no, I mean, I was getting the same, same pushback and, um, Jason actually was, you know, pretty much asked to leave the church that he was a part of, um, you know, when he started having questions around eternal conscious torment, you know, this, this lake of fire that is so commonly, uh, used as a fearful tactic to keep people connected to the church. But, you know, when you start putting that up against the goodness of God and that God is perfectly represented in Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say about himself. If you've seen him, you've seen the father, you can't reconcile those two things. And then you do just the smallest amount of digging and you find out 
wait, eternal conscious torment is kind of the new kid on the block. That was, that's only about 500 years old in church history. So what, what, wait, there are other options for perishing, uh, you know, or, and, or, or, or as we've come, come to, you know, we would, I would call myself a a hopeful, uh, a hopeful inclusionist, uh, a universal reconciliationist uh, that I believe ultimately (laughs) all things will be reconciled in Christ. And so, you know, but when you're preaching and you currently have a church and, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the leader. I just realized I can't just throw stuff out for shock value. I have to bring people along slowly in some of these themes because God was patient with me during that. My wife thought I was a heretic for quite a while. I mean, when I started questioning penal substitutionary atonement theory, I started questioning eternal conscious torment. Um, my wife was like, but the Bible says, but the Bible says, and, uh, and, you know, I just had to be patient and work through it. And she really eventually came to some other voices that had to help her navigate that. But it was also that she was seeing me change and transform. If the message that I'm preaching is not making me a more loving person, then I'm not preaching the right message. And and a less fearful person. Right. Right. means less fearful, right? But, you know, to turn that, that, that huge tanker around, you can't whip that puppy around, you will capsize it. That's so right. how to be slow. And isn't that, isn't that amazing? Because God is love. The first attribute is patience and kindness. So yeah. he's patient and kind with us as we're turning our own ships around and then whatever we're leading, you're like, okay. Um, and, but it's true. You, you do. I lost a lot of community as well. It just, worked itself out differently you know when you when you're like yeah this eternal conscious torment doesn't look like the god i know and so um you know and how does that work it out and then what does the gospel mean what are you even being saved from or saved to and it has so once the sweater starts unraveling that dang thing keeps on unraveling but then you get to knit actually a sweater that's perfect and beautiful and fits just like jesus does right (laughs) I had a, I had a, uh, you reminded me of something. I had a, a, a professor at seminary. Uh, I went to a school, a Bible school in Sweden. And um, this guy had a book called the Scarlet Thread. And he basically said, there is this single scarlet thread that weaves through every page of the Bible. And Jesus is the scarlet thread. And unless you find him on the page and him, you know, in the text, then you have to exalt the living word above the written word. And so this brings our Bible into more of a clear view of, you know, the way I say it, which is a little shocking, people get angry about it, but I love the word of God and I like my Bible too. Um, Jesus is the word of God. He is what God has to say about himself. And so we have, and and the Bible isn't uh, a revelation of God. Jesus is the revelation of God. Now the Bible contains revelation of God because we learn about Jesus on the pages of the gospels and acts. And then Paul elaborates more on him, but the Bible is also a revelation of who we are and what we're capable of assigning to God that has nothing to do with his character. So God was at times revealing himself in bits and pieces. And we see this in the book of Hebrews, but now in the fullness of time, he has revealed himself perfectly. The mirror image, Jesus is God in the flesh. And so uh, it, 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 it tips a lot of sacred cows over, (laughs) Um, and it uh, ruffles a lot of feathers, but I don't think, I think this is where everything is heading right now. And uh, you're not going to be able to stop it. 
it, it has its own momentum. It's the me- momentum of a God who, of yeah. people's cry for the real God yeah. and God's responses in what, who he's always been. And yeah. so when the Bible points to God rightly, it's doing its job when it points to us in our faulty pointing to God unrighteously, yes. then it's doing its job. It's just a matter of how we handle it. And uh, that's that- a great way to put it. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's safe too. It's um, one of the things that I, I love about what, what Derek and I get to do is, you know, he used that word deconstruction and, and uh, that can be a word that it can mean a whole lot of things. It's, it's got a lot attached to it. For me, when I first heard it, I wasn't real fond of it, but I, I didn't, I was like, well, I don't get to decide what we're going to call it. You know, it's, so let me go ahead and embrace it uh, through the lens of Jesus. Let's go ahead and, and embrace it through the lens of uh, we're, we're, we're going to pull some things apart till we find the cornerstone. And when you find that, that the cornerstone is Jesus, it's such a beautiful, beautiful gospel. It's such a safe journey when you, when you realize, you know, the, the way that we, we tend to approach uh, the podcast that we do together is we're convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, nothing separates us from the love of God, that Jesus is the perfect revelation, that he's walking down every road with us, wherever we are on the journey. It's that Emmaus road picture. And that, and we're convinced of that. And so the more convinced you are of that, the more grace is imparted to you. You're not here now to, to talk somebody into saying a prayer or getting the words right you know, you, you don't even, you know, I, I jokingly say when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even, he didn't even go by the name Jesus. Like he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't need you to know his name, to walk with you. And, mm-hmm. and of course, reveal himself to you, who he truly is. And, and boy, isn't that a beautiful gospel? It's such a, for, from two perspectives for me, and Derek and I talk about this a lot. He, he used the language recently. He said, you know, the more convinced I am in love, it's that word dogma or that dogmatic. The more, because we've be, once upon a time we were certain about a whole lot of super superfluous things. Really, we, our certainties were placed in the wrong places. But but the more certain we are that Jesus is what God looks like, He's what uh, God what God has to say about Himself and us. The more the more dogmatic we become in love. The, the, the freer we are down any road with anyone, the, the more restraint we have to be able to be with people and, and walk them in because we're convinced he's going to he's good. He's better at speaking their language than we are. So let's get on the same page and, and connect with hearts. And so there's such a liberty in this good news. And, and I agree. I think there's there's a sweet awakening taking place. And and there's a whole lot of trustworthy voices, maybe, is what I'm what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Coming together and finding one another. Yeah, yes. yes. Convinced that he's good, that and that he's a reconciling God, and so we'll just partner with him in the reconciliation. How much more fun is that? Now I'm now I'm I, I get to go into any room and I get to be Jesus in any form that will meet them and love them into their identity, into their value, into who they truly are. And I don't have to get caught up with what what's right or what's wrong. I'm certainly not counting sins because he's not in the sin counting business. I'm set free from the sin counting business. My gosh. Remember when you used to be a leader that had to count sins? I mean, my goodness, that's an exhausting thing. And it's not helpful for anyone yeah. because then you got to play the, the shame game or the condemnation game or the behavior game. And, or, or, instead, the, or the striving to clean yourself yes. up. Oh, oh, my, oh my goodness. Gosh. The little brother game. Yeah. to say it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's such a liberal. Yeah, and, uh, it's good news. I Go think ahead. one of the things that, that Jason and I have realized is that it, it's it's our, our own journey that we had met yeah. each other, you know, 18 years ago and connected, loved each other, thought we were great, you know, but we had these journeys that we went on and what it's like the opposite poles, you know, North and South magnetically, it just kind of started to draw us back based on the things that we were navigating. And when I'd heard that Jason, you know, had been asked to leave his church um, and over what the issue was, you know, I just reached out to him just to love him. I didn't, I didn't have any other agenda. I just know that that, that sucks getting kicked out of a church sucks. Uh, I've never, I've actually never had to do it in 20 years of pastoring a church. I actually had to do it one time. Um, I had to ask a guy to leave cause he was carrying a knife and threatening people, but that's a whole nother story. Um, it was, it was a good move. He ended I up murdering someone a, a couple of weeks later. Yeah, like- yeah. I didn't have any <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, as we reached out and, and this is what we're finding too, Catherine, is that people like you, people that are guests on our podcast, all these people are starting to kind of listen to the same, these different voices, but coming together kind of like for such a time as this, and there's no, there's no structure to it. There's no rhyme or reason other than this is the spirit of love, the Holy spirit that is shed abroad in our hearts. Romans five, five to the fullness by the Holy spirit is beginning to pull people together, rallying around the love of God, that God is love. And that Jesus perfectly reveals who God is. So, um, you know, when you're very dogmatic about the fact that God is love, he doesn't have love. He is love. Love is the diamond and all these other facets, holiness, justice, grace, you know, patience, goodness. Those are the facets of love. And I get so much pushback on this. You know, I'll say God is love. Well, yeah, God is love, but he's also holy. I'm like, okay, well then show me an, show me an unloving holiness and I'll show you a pharisaical mindset that thinks you're right about everything and that you know everything. Holiness without love is void of God. So you, you, you can't have it. It's impossible to have any of these attributes independent. They get perverted without love being the core. So um, yeah, but I, I am definitely seeing a reset in church life and culture and structure. And I th- I'm a both and guy. We live in Charlotte. We live in the South Sundays, 10 AM is always going to be church day. It's just not going to go away, but we also need to find ways to connect in community uh, in, in our homes, in our offices, in our schools, um, in our neighborhoods. You know, Sarah and I have, have 20 year relationships with people in our neighborhood and, um, and, and we love them. I mean, they love us. And we had, we actually had learned some things from our neighbors because we got so busy doing church. We neglected the people right around us. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm like this, these two cul-de-sacs I live on is like my second campus. This is just, I just want to shepherd and love these people well. And I I learned so much from them, whether or not they're following Jesus, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to show them what love looks like and what Jesus looks like. And trust me, the questions start coming eventually, you know, especially after a few drinks in the cul-de-sac, people loosen up. Pickleball. Oh, and Dan during pickleball, <laughs> um, my generation's shuffleboard. Uh, they, they begin to, you know, be drawn to the love of God. And so I think that's the only thing we're going to be 
measured by. How well did you love? And it is the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. And even that word repentance, I, people hear the word repentance and they think groveling, crying, you know, shamed of the past. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia. It literally means change your mind. Stop yeah. thinking this way and start thinking this way. And, um, and that's what Rethinking God with Tacos is all about. We, we want people on there to explore and talk about how, what their experience was in Rethinking God. Yeah, Brian, it's so wonderful you have a platform for that because a lot of people have experiences that need to be shared and they may not be the ones that are have a place to share them or have yeah. a significantly, you know, significant place to share them, which is amazing, but uh, it's so, so needed. I'm sorry, you were going to say something. Well, I, 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 yeah, I agree. It's the same with, with what you're doing. And, and that's, that's one of the other things that's been fun is, is all the connections we felt we've found uh, through even the guests that we've had on and relationships, the way that God is, is connecting. You know, we had this conversation when you were on just the, the way that God is connecting the body. But uh, I, Derek said something that, that we've had conversations about, you know, when you, when you, I, I'm not an academic in the, in that sense. So I, I tend to, I tend to chase something down because I'm looking for that thing that's cutting us off from intimacy. So that's the thing that, that drives me. Um, and that relational theologian in me is, is, is uh, I'm, I'm grabbing that and being intentional with that because I think relational theology is, is what Jesus revealed because he showed us a father and he lived confident as, as his kid. And he, so he said, Hey, it's, let me show you who he is in the context of kingdom as family and what it looks like to be confident as in his affection. I'm, I want to, it's not just who he is or where we're going and what, what it looks like to be sure in his love here on earth. Let's, let's go ahead and then we'll just do uh, the kingdom at hand, actually the kingdom within you. And this is the thing um, th that for me, I, I I find out what I am from somebody smarter. Uh, one one time I was going to have a, a guest on and I reached out and I said, hey, we'd love to have you on. And he said, well, Jason, I, I want you to know that I, I don't believe in ultimate reconciliation. And so I had to go look that up and I went, because he was telling me, apparently I did is what he was saying. <laughs> So, so, and I, I, yeah, I had to go look at it because I had to thought, I had to thought, well, okay, well, he obviously, and he's smarter than me. He'd know <laughs> as far as a theological term. Let me go look it up when I want. And then years later, a couple of years later, I, I was hanging out with a friend, Randall Worley, who we recently had on, and he actually pulled me over and, and confirmed it, you know, because he's a smart guy too. He, he introduced me and said, hey, Jason's my other recon ultimate reconciliation friend. He was he was he was introducing me to one of his ultimate reconciliation friends. So I thought oh, it must be what I am. But but what I've found is um, that what you were saying, Derek, is is on this road. I may have lost the, the plot. Let me pull it back here. When you're hanging out with your neighbors, and this is what's fascinating for me. I'm convinced now, and so maybe I just gave it the term, but I'm convinced that that salvation is is not about getting into god it's about awakening to christ within you and so when they're talking about his neighbors and learning from them whether they know the name of jesus a second can you yes. just say that again it just just say that again so what is salvation again because you, you yeah so, so salvation so isn't 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 trying to get into god or you know turning to god and somehow trying to get into god it's awakening to christ within us I think, and in my opinion. yeah, well, and I, I think the way that you can scripturally articulate that 
um, because people are always wanting to make it legal with yes. scripture. Thank you. Um, which is cool. Uh, is basically that you know every other religion demands that you do something yeah. to earn your God's favor, to please your God, to get to your God. Our God got to us. He yes. became one of us to rescue all of yes. us. Yeah. It, it's a complete flip on religion. Yeah. It turns religion on its head. And it real it makes us realize that we have a God who is with us in the flesh. And of course, the apostle Paul went on later to say of, of his Damascus road experience. He didn't say, you know, uh, yeah, I got knocked off my horse and then I prayed the the right prayer and cried tears. And there was an altar call. And I don't discount those things. Those are great. No, those, those are, are sweet great. moments. Yeah. I got saved that way. Yeah. But he said, it pleased the Lord to reveal Christ in me, not yeah. to me, in yeah. me. And so our, our thought process on this, and then later on, he said the mystery of the entire gospel summed up in one thing, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So yeah. the question came to me years ago is how can what happened in Adam be universal, but what happened in Christ be limited? And I okay. use those terms deliberately to go at Calvinism. Um, and so if it's not superior and greater, well, we, we have no problem believing that sin infected all of mankind for all of eternity, for all ages. Yeah. Why do we have a problem believing that the cross and the resurrection and the God that would smuggle him, the God that couldn't die, smuggled himself into death to blow it up from the inside out so that he could inhabit all of humans, all human hearts. And at the base of their brokenness and their pain, he is holding it all together. And they are yet to be awakened to that. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. So I don't see people as insiders and outsiders. I see people as maybe either awake or asleep, but basically you know, it, that's, that's the thinking behind all of that. And that's where you, uh, this is, this is Derek and I doing it now here. We're doing it. Hold on. <laughs> that's where you, that's why I, I love his, the way that he's describing his relationship with his neighbors, because now he's not on an agenda. It, it's, and they have as much to offer because the same Christ that lives within me lives within them. And, and so, and so I, I, I may have the liberty and the joy and the opportunity to introduce him. Uh, you know, I'm convinced that Jesus on the Emmaus Road was introducing himself to them, but it was at their pace and he was speaking to the burning and it, and it was the burning that was already within them. So it's it suddenly, you, you know, again, we're back to that liberty where it, any room you can be in, you can be Jesus. You can just be you can just be love and human form. And and then you're able to interact with with their created value, who they truly are and. And that resonates, you know, that, that thing resonates. So anyway, I, I love that. It is so beautiful. It also lends such dignity to every single human being because mm. your, yeah. val your value has al al already been established and it's so much been established that God insisted on joining himself to you before he ever sent you to planet earth. So there's that yeah. God inside us inside humanity and how much and and it's not just obviously awakening to god inside yes but i think this is a constant thing because we're awakening to, to that in deeper and deeper levels we're getting yeah. to know with greater and greater intimacy this one who's always been there yeah. and what does that look like oh and what are the ways that i have filtered you 
to be a God in, in my image and, 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 you know, yeah. and yeah. projected junk onto you. That is not you. And I, I'm constantly blown away by the kindness and patience of God yeah. Yeah. where we just don't know him and where we're just misrepresenting him and he's and 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 also his mastery because a lot of times i think we have so many defenses to justify our point justify our way of our experiences our defenses that say no god you can't be like that and god is so kind and compassionate so a lot of times i think he comes in the back door he'll come yeah. through the window he'll come whatever yeah. in our yeah. awareness to meet us where we're at there's no place if if, if we make our bed in hell he's there to yeah. get us the hell out That's of right. in our yeah. minds and so um it's just it it really it it's it's so gorgeous and it's such a it's such a different way to quote unquote evangelize that right. is the, uh, awakening something that's already true and that yeah. to that truth brings yeah. life. Yeah. 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 I, and I think, I think that's the reason you're seeing the, this major exodus from the evangelical culture and church movement. Um, I think evangelicalism, well, two things, it, it, it kind of started separating into political power and harness, trying to harness political power. That's, that's going to be a major downfall for that. We're already seeing it, but I think the bigger picture was that people got hyper-focused on getting people saved instead of loving people well. They got their priorities out of order. And it's in loving people well that they will come to this place of salvation. So, you know, it, to me, it, it, it was just, a, it, was, it just got flipped. And this is why one of the reasons Jesus, like on the road to Emmaus, and in many other cases, he flipped the script. He said, you've heard it said, but I say. Well, what was he contradicting? He was contradicting this written text. And he said, no, no, I am, I'm the living text. And here's what I say. No, no, no more eye for an eye, love your enemies. So on that road to Emmaus journey that Jason and I talk about often, um, that to me is the journey of our life. And our Jesus, our rabbi is with us. He is, he is the one that's revealing things to us. And, um, and he's either correcting the record or he's deepening the understanding of who God is. And so, um, you know, the evangelical culture, in my view, has been more like a multi-level marketing scheme. And it's like, hey, I'm going to invite you over for dinner. Uh, we, oh, you look like a cool person. You know, you know, the type of people you meet in the grocery store and they're like, hey, you look like a great guy. You got a lot of potential. They start talking you up. I'd, I'd like to go to dinner. And you're like, okay, we go to dinner and they start, you know, drawing circles and inviting you into their multi-level marketing thing. And then if you say no to that, there's no more connection. Connection's gone. Yeah. And so we that's been our evangelical mindset yeah. and it's wrong. Yeah. yeah. And that's why loving your neighbors well means being there with them in every moment of their lives. My wife's uh, father, my father-in-law passed away a year and a half ago and the, the, the neighborhood reached out and made sure we had meals every night. They did a, big brunch when all the family was here and we were navigating the funeral and all the stuff they provided everything. My church didn't, did not do anything because we told them our neighbors are taking care of it. You, you, honestly, you don't have to do anything. The, the congregation that I pastor was like begging, can we please come bring you a meal? And it's like, yeah, maybe in a couple months. Cause it's already booked. And my neighbors did that, not my so community cool. of faith. And so um, and they were willing, they wanted to, they love well yeah. as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. But um, they just want I think to any as your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, you know, I'm, I'm not dogging. I just, I just feel like it's, it's been a journey that we've been on to kind of come to this greater understanding that Jesus is the revelation of God. And so you always have to bring it back and hyper focus things on Jesus. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that's true. Christocentric. You know, it was interesting when I, when I was growing up and I I had mentioned to you that I hadn't, um, I, we didn't grow, grow up in Christian home, but I was so hungry for truth for God, for something that I didn't know what it was. And I'd always try to to boil it down to the essentials. And this took really decades to boil it down to the essential of love that had all, always been resonating as the person of Christ, the person, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit as the person of love. And man, you can't press harder on that. Um, you know, you can press as hard as you want and and that will, that's eternal. And it can melt down to that. And sometimes I think because of the ways that we've inadvertently been abusive as Christians um, uh, or, uh, or, you know, however that is towards one another. And then also to the world that we consider, well, you're out or you're or whatever you are. Um, But um, uh, that, sometimes tracking in that kind of vein where we're sharing about, well, where's the light? Where is love for you? Where is that? Um, That people can track with that inside them. When, if you immediately jump to the name of Christ, which God doesn't always do, um, Mm -hmm. he's, he's very patient to reveal himself. Yeah. The one that you've been tracking with for 10 years, actually I'm Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Right. When they can handle it, you know, Uh, and that we can really relax. And I think people get so fearful if the motivation is fear because yeah. of eternal conscious torment, or because honestly, if they don't say the prayer and not go to hell, I'm, that's on me or whatever these fear mongering, heavy things that have okay. not looked like God, uh, when that's the motive, we need to back her up. And so mm-hmm. is this a motive out of love? Because if it's not a motive out of love, I need to back it up until it is. And it's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. God is big enough to handle it in the meantime. Yeah. I, I was watching um, my favorite movie. Um, I have my youngest uh, heading off for three and a half months. She's 17. She's going to an outdoor school and leaving us. It's really heartbreaking for her oh. mom and I, but we're excited for her. So we're going through these movies, the top 10 movies. And last night was interstellar. It's my favorite time travel. And it's movie. And there's a, in the middle of the movies, an interaction between the McConaughey character and the Hathaway character where they have to make a decision that's going to save the world literally. Mm -hmm. And it's one, one choice or the other. And, and, uh, uh, Hathaway makes the comment that, um, they'd been making all these decisions based on their understanding and their science and their logic. And they'd been getting it wrong so far. And, and she, she, we find out that love is connected to one of the decisions. And so uh, they hold it suspect because they're scientists. So they hold this love concept and Hathaway, my favorite line in any movie is she says, you know, maybe love is the one thing we, we can, um, uh, that we can't understand it. Well, love is the one thing that transcends dimensions of time and space maybe we should trust it even when we can't understand it yet. And she makes this statement. And one of the most profound things for me to talk about grace with people is 
and, and coming back to what what um, Derek said, you know, when when Adam is more powerful than than Christ, then we're all living we're all living uh, where where the ticking clock is actually our God, and and we now have to serve the clock that somehow the love somehow ends that the nature of our heavenly father's love revealed in Christ, a God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins somehow has to come to an end when time ends. It's the, it's the trope, the Hollywood trope with the ticking bomb, you know, that's ticking down. And, and the only reason that, that we're watching this movie is because that clock is ticking down and they've set the whole thing on. If it ticks down to zero, it's over. And so now we're all engaged and we we actually interact with God as though love doesn't transcend time and space, as though it wasn't before and it isn't after. And so it causes us to live in the limitations of, 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 uh, this, uh, of this finite way of thinking. And, and I think what's what's fun about uh what we're awakening to is is this idea that you know on the Emmaus road um they literally said uh we had thought he was the one yeah. well he is the one he, he was the one he just wasn't the one they had thought right. it was better and so yep. he's walking with them and he's like yeah but not that one it's yeah. it's better than that and and I'm gonna walk down this road for eternity with you Mm-hmm. Until you turn and you and you discover the burning, we you know we they happen to know his voice well enough, recognize this love well enough that they they wouldn't let him leave. They pulled him into the house, but they didn't have revelation on the road. They didn't know about the resurrected Christ. They would have gone. They could have, based on that conversation, started up a really powerful itinerant ministry. Probably done quite well, but it would have gotten sideways because it's just knowledge on the road. But in the house, when they got him in the house and he broke the bread, that relational theology, that relational dynamic, that love that transcends time and space, their eyes are open, they see him, and they get they then of course he does this one thing that I never liked as a kid. He disappears from their sight. And that drives me nuts because I'm like, man, you just saw him. There he is in the flesh and blood. You're gonna ask him a million questions. And one day God was like, Yeah, that's that's why I disappeared from their sight. Because I wanted them to capture the next. I didn't want them to get sideways. I wanted them to capture the next thing. And the next thought was this. They said, it did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the road. It means, did not our hearts know this transcending love that is before and after on the road, this relational, did it not, did our not our hearts burn? And then, of course, they got up, they went back to Jerusalem, not with a good message, not with something that will preach, but with a revelation of the risen Christ, this union that they awaken to. And, of course, Jesus shows up and we know we're here because of it, 2000 years and into this movement. But um, well, I think I think, Jason, one of the things and Catherine, you're so good about bringing everything back to love. That to me, I actually I think when you were on the podcast uh, in the introduction, I said, she just bubbles with love. And yes. I'm like, did I, did I actually say that? I did. I said that, Yeah. Um, but it's true. And um, I, I really see that if, if the scriptures and we want to put our faith and trust in, in scripture, well, then what are you going to do with now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love and love is the only eternal yes. aspect. Yes. And um I feel like if we're not growing in love, then we are not growing in God. And Jesus is the one that demonstrates on a cross, arms open wide, 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it is finished. Happened in that same. And it's in a, in a measureless crucif- finish. It's, it's measureless. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things Jason's saying is we, we, we base a lot of our theology on just this lifetime. And yeah, I agree. You just have this lifetime. And that's, I think that why like left behind series was so popular because people were like, we just want to get out of here. Uh, the way that I kind of heard all of that was like, well, you know, maybe it is the last generation. Is this the last generation before Jesus comes back? I maybe, I don't know, but it's your last generation. Exactly. So what are you going to yeah. do with your life? Are you going to yeah. love well? And yeah. I, I think That's when we can't nice see point. things along the path, I wrote this the other day. I'll just read it real quick. Often we can't see the path ahead. The twists and turns prevent us from spying the destination. Our view is limited to the momentary and there are choices to be made. On one side, we feel fenced in, claustrophobic, stuck in the moment. The other view is an inviting horizon full of opportunities for new adventure, but there's a lake there and we can't traverse it because we don't have the equipment. All we have is the path in front of us and we can't see what's around the corner. And these words just came to me, breathe, pause, relax. You're not alone. The only promise of the path is that you have a friend with you. That Jesus said, I am with you by his spirit. He is with every human being on the planet, period may not know him, may not understand who he is, but um, ultimately the purpose of the path is to know the person and spend time with the person of Jesus. And so, you know, all you can do is take the next step, take the next step, take the next step. Um, But we've, we've made it into some formula about how you quote, get into heaven. And we've based a lot of our theology really on one, one passage that says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Well, what if the judgment is mercy? I mean, we always think about it as negative, right? Like you, there's a judgment against you. Oh, how, how long does jail. mercy endure, man? Yeah, you're punished. But you know, a, a judge could give a judgment of five million dollars to a person who was wronged and harmed yeah. and damaged and broken yeah. by some event. Well, that's a judgment. The judgment is restitution, restoration. I think I think that's the that's the judgment. And um, what if the judgment is from the one who is the just judge, the only one who can be, has twenty twenty vision of love, and he says, "Oh, you're my child. I judge you as my child." Yes. Yeah. Come and come and inherit all, everything that I've stored up for you that you didn't do in this lifetime. What if, what if that's the judgment that you are yeah. immeasurably loved and adored as his son and his daughter? we don't we don't love that though people tend to want mercy for themselves and they want judgment and justice for others and um i think that's where jesus flipped the script and said yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be the one that shows you what it's like to be human god didn't just come us to come to us jesus didn't come god didn't come in the flesh to reveal god he came to reveal what what human really is and when we accept as followers of Jesus, our own humanity, then we, we can affirm people in their humanity. I mean, everybody's looking for affirmation. Will you please affirm this about me, affirm my my sex, my color, my race, my level of management or, you know, labor. (laughs) We, we break down all these other categories, even male, female is under human, but I can affirm you and love you because you're human. Mm -hmm. I don't need, I don't need to drop down any other level. You're already in, you're already affirmed. 
I love you because you're human. And I'm actually kind of navigating this kind of a human affirming thinking right now. And I don't have it all wrapped up, but um, yeah. I do know this years and years ago, my little girl who's 25 now, she was four years old and my wife would lead her through some confessions at bedtime. And it would be like, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know, all the good word of faith confessions. And, and that's great. It was good. But at one point she stopped and asked her at the end, she said, uh, Caroline, would you like to add anything to the confession? And she said, and love everyone the most. And I'm like, that's, that's it. That sums it all up. That's our role. And we can only do it when we have received the love of God, love everyone the most. And I go back to John 17, Jesus is in the garden praying with his disciples. And at one point he, in the prayer, he says, I'm not praying for these that can hear me anymore. I'm praying for all of those that will believe on me through their word. So who's he praying for? He's praying for us. We believe on Jesus from the ultimate passing down of those eyewitnesses that it got to us. What did he say? I want to know. And he talks about unity. They may be one father, even as we are one. And that that's that union that they would wake up to their union. But at the very end, he says this, and this is what I instruct people in. If you're having a difficult time receiving the love of God for yourself, um, cause you'll never love your neighbor more than you love yourself. That's just a given. He said, I pray father that they would know that you love them as much as you love me. And I have a hard time sometimes believing that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. But I also know that if anybody's prayer is going to get answered, Jesus's prayer is going to get answered. So maybe I'll just put the faith in the prayer getting answered and okay. I believe that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And it's there that fear starts to melt out of your heart. Perfected love casts out all fear, melts fear out of your heart. So that's the message. That's the message of the cross and the resurrection. And that's the Jesus that we're following. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love this conversation. I'm reminded I was on a podcast a couple months ago and I, I, um, I may have overshared and, uh, and the folks, (laughs) The folks uh, uh, that I was with, um, they ended up having to pay the, a little bit of a price for having me on there. And I thought, oh, man, I'm just, this is such a wonderful conversation. <laughs> I'm I'm oversharing, but I think it's okay. I, I um, what Derek is saying, uh, unless hopefully it's okay, Catherine. It's I not, feel- I, just carte blanche, just roll with it. No, I just mean, we're talking about a love that transcends time and space. So, you know, what Derek's talking about, it puts me at ease. It reminds me of like, I'm convinced that it's the goodness of God or the kindness of God that, that, that changes the way we think that reveals who he truly is, that reveals who we truly are. And, uh, I I remember my daughter when she was two, my youngest, um, she was attached to mama the hip like everywhere mama went like she was a mama's girl till about two it was and so karen couldn't get a, a breath half the time and you know she liked me but she loved mom and uh and every once in a while karen would forget uh our, our, and she'd walk out the door just to go get the mail like you could never leave i'd have to distract her if karen actually had to go somewhere but if she was just going to get the mail she wouldn't think and so every once in a while this would happen she'd walk out the door and the door is our little one couldn't see out because it's just glass at the top and so she'd walk out to go get the mail it's just at the end of the at the driveway it's going to take her you know 30 seconds 45 seconds but my daughter would fall apart 
and uh, and just like you couldn't. Cons- and I remember, I remember, I would pick her up because I'm a good dad, and I was okay. It's all right. It's all right. And I'm loving on her, and I, but I'm also racing to the door, and I'm and I'm loving on her, and I'm lifting her up so she can see out the window, so she can see mom. And so I remember one day, and and, and eventually she'd see mom, and and you know she'd be pretty upset with mom for having the audacity of leaving, but. But eventually Bob would come in and console her. It was all right. But I remember doing it one time and I said, this is what I do for eternity. This is how I interact with my kids for eternity. They they have a perspective and, and, I, and I don't blame them for it. I don't blame them for their limitations, their immaturities, whatever they are in the journey. I don't, I don't hold them against them. In fact, I come down, I scoop them up. And then I also lift them to my perspective. And as I lift them, I give them my perspective because that's what I, and I'll do that for eternity, Jason. That's who I am. That's my love. And I I know that uh, there's scriptures and we can put, but that is the, that's the relational theology that I'm talking about. That is the gospel that I'm convinced of and the, and the Jesus that I know and the father he revealed and the Holy spirit that's within me. And, uh, and so that's the good news that we're, that we, that we just keep diving into Derek and I, and, and we have folks on and they bring they bring scripture to it and they highlight it. But isn't that a good gospel? I mean, Perfect. that's the gospel. That's what that's what Jesus Holy Spirit did to to show us our real father. It's like, okay, no, no, look up, but look, yes. there's yeah. your daddy. Look how yeah. he's, he's right. Yeah, no blame. No right. blame for our limitations and our inabilities to know that mom just went out to get the mail. None of that. Just yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, we all need that lifting up. I mean, all of us, you know, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So we're all children in some form, you know, and 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 we all need lifting up to see. And then it's also that once you see it's that dependency that, wow, God is that constant. God is that good. God never changes. Yeah. God is wild about me and he's wild about everyone. And then we get to love one another out of that place, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think that's why there's no height, length, depth, or breadth to exploring the love of God. It will, it will never be fully, um, understood. We'll spend eternity growing and understanding this vast love and loving one another. Well, um, I, you know, I always have this caveat with people, um, because you get a lot of pushback when people start, saying, well, you know what? God is also just, you know, he's love, but he's also just, and he has to, he has to punish sin. Sin can't be in his presence. And of course, I mean, the first answer there is, well, was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself? Advocate scripture. Keep, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was God in um, Christ reconciling the world to himself. Yeah. So then he was, he was in proximity to sin all the time and it really didn't bother him. He was fine with it. You know, the whole, holy God can't look upon sin. And, um, I think, I think the caveat I give, and I'm a little facetious with it, but it's like, okay, I could be wrong. I could, when I I'll get to heaven and God will be there perfected love. I'll be face to face with perfected love and love will explain to me that. Yeah, Derek, um, there's a place in the cosmos where it's eternal flame and people are frying in their own fat. I'm the giver of life. So I'm keeping their nerve endings working. I'm keeping them alive so they can suffer and be tortured in that. Um, but that's because I'm a just God. Well, at that point, I mean, I'll be like, oh, okay. I, maybe I get it, but I don't have to get that down here. I do not because that does not jive at all 
with the love that Jesus demonstrated. And yet this fearful approach to with eternal conscious torment particularly has kept so many people bound and afraid of this father that they, this God that Jesus saved us from not to like Jesus is like, I'll save you from my, my mean, vindictive, retributive father. Well, then, then it blows up the whole gospel. Cause then what Jesus said, wasn't true. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So, you know, you start bringing people into the logic of that statement and Thomas J. Ord, we interviewed him a while back, another voice that I would recommend people check out, but he calls it the logic of love. If you just let love guide your logic, you cannot come to a God that sends someone to eternal conscious torment and punishment because I don't want people to do that and to have that experience. And am I better than God? No, I am not. So how could it be, you know? And so, you know, and once again, you do the smallest amount of digging and you realize this is a very new concept, you know, and it, it's a theory. It's not, it's not people proof text, a couple of scriptures, you know, to make this, uh, this Dante's Inferno, you know, come to life. And, uh, and it definitely has more to do with Dante than it does with Jesus. I mean, hundred percent. And uh, when you start just loving people well and really growing in love and look, I'm like the apostle Paul in Philippians 13, where he said, Hey, I haven't arrived yet. You know, he's writing from a Philippian He's writing the, the church at Philippi from a jail and, and he's saying, Hey, I've, I haven't arrived yet. Well, if the apostle Paul said that at the end, toward the end of his life, I can say that too. But this one thing I do forgetting those things that are behind pressing forward to what lies ahead, that is either the worst catch 22 in your life because you can't forget the past. So you're stuck in a moment and you won't step into your future, or it's the most glorious intertwined thing that as I step forward into the love of God, I forget, you know, Derek of 20 Derek's ago. Um, yeah. that's not who I am anymore. I own it. That was me, that was me 20 Derek's ago, but I'm, I'm not that person anymore. I've grown in the love of God and hopefully I'm embracing that process and that path. And I think that's what this life is for is yeah. to be loved and to love well, yeah. and then to ultimately put our eyes on the one Jesus that be, that became God became one of us. God, what God becomes His creation? How crazy is that? Talk about and, God and yet, humanity. It's glorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Wow, wow! I can't believe it. This is already the hour has flown. I hope you guys <laughs> come back. I I feel like we just got started. I don't know about you, but uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Where can people connect with you? Tell them where to find your podcast. All of that. Whoever wants to jump in. Okay. Um, you can rethinking God with tacos is the name of the podcast. And it's where, oh, where everyone, uh, all iTunes, Spotify, we're on YouTube now. Uh, we actually have the video on Spotify now. So that's cool. We, we started doing video this season. Um, and you can also go to a family a family And if you sign up on our mailing list, we're, we're starting to do zoom calls and uh, start in August where we're, we're endeavoring to some of the things we talked about uh, folks want community. And so they've been asking, Hey, do you know someone who thinks this way in Austin? And so we're going to start trying to, to, to help connect folks through, through some zoom calls and we'll start that in August, but yeah, family sign up for our mailing list and uh, you can be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine, we'd love for you to join us for the for the first one. 
Yeah. Uh, you're more than welcome to help participate in that. We're calling it Taco Munities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's the rough draft working that's title, that's right? That joke. Yeah. Taco Munities. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. I feel like, I feel like there's so many people out there that feel like they're alone and, um, our message is, first of all, you're not alone. Jesus is with you in every broken place and every, you know, um, place of rejection and fear. He's right there. He's with you. But, um, we also want people to know that there are others just like you. You're not alone. You're navigating some things in the love of God. And so, um, you know, we, I love to talk to people about it anytime. These kind of conversations for me, I will talk to anybody anytime about all of this, especially if they're in good faith, asking questions and not just trying to prove me wrong, but you can find, find me at, um, I'm at pastor Derek T. Uh, Derek is D E R E K the pr- correct spelling of Derek <laughs> at pastor Derek T on all the socials. And then I pastor a church in Charlotte, North Carolina called river church, uh, river charlotte.com. You can uh, connect with me there, but uh, we love to have these conversations with people. And Catherine, you are a delight. Really. We have really loved getting in and having you on the podcast. Um, I told you this before we started, but I'm I'm definitely going to be preaching your latest blog on uh, how to be okay when you're not okay. It's a great, great. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, and he'll give you credit because Derek gives credit. He'll give I do. Credit. I quote people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I need to <laughs> quote people. I'm not one of those people that like, well, if I, after I've said it three times, it's mine. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, feel free. That's, 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 a, that's an honor. We're, hey, aren't we all stealing from Jesus though? We are. <laughs> we are. And we don't always give credit either. Is so. Yeah. That's okay. I think, I think he's good with it. I think he's good with it. So. Well, it has been a joy. I would love to have you guys back again sometime. I'll be including those links. If there's additional ones that uh, you want me to include, just let me know. Um, but I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. Uh, once again, can you list out, uh, you've got a new book coming out, Derek. And then if you could list out your books, Jason, that would be great. So they can go find Yeah, it. Yeah. Um, it looks like September 1st, uh, my book called, it's a devotional a 21 day devotional in the gospel of John. It's called make room uh, 21 days with Jesus. And it's just a simple read. John has 21 chapters. So you read a chapter a day. Uh, If you like, there's a fast associated with it where you maybe lay something down. That's kind of holding you back or something, Uh, but you don't have to fast. You could go through it and read the whole thing. What's that? don't, Don't fast the tacos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm kind of with Bill Johnson on that one. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to fast unless God specifically directs me to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more about maybe setting something aside to make room for growing in your expansion of the love of God. And the gospel of John does that better than uh, anything that, that I've ever been a part of. So. Love that. And Jason, your books. Yeah, excited about this book with with Derek too. I haven't read it yet, so yeah. he's, he's finishing up edits, and then and then I'll I'll get to read through it. But uh, uh, now that I, I just found out that I'll send you the manuscript uh, today, you can read it. Okay, all right. I'm excited. I am um, looking forward to it coming out. Um, yeah. So the, my newest book, "Leaving and Finding Jesus." Um, in fact, uh, we shared. We talked. <laughs> Derek's holding it up there. We talked about it a little bit today. The I start with the Emmaus Road on that, but it's. 
it's all of the Jesuses that I've left, you know, the, the, um, the, the punishing the theological lens for uh, trading a, a retributive lens for reconciling love. And, um, and it's an Emmaus road journey, that book, I have a book called God is not in control that I wrote before it. And it's it juxtaposed uh, control and love. And the, it, it definitely talks about the sovereignty of God. Uh, again, a book about trust and intimacy and, um, the idea that, uh, um, if I said Jason's in control of his car, that's a good thing. But if I said Jason's in control of his wife, his kids, his family, his, there's something that's going to cut us off there. That's we we know that that's a flawed thought. So through a relational lens, looking at uh, the goodness of God, that comes out. I I cleaned up some language, and that comes out here in about a month. I also have a book with my brother and Mark Batterson. We're writing for tweens. Uh, it's called David. It's I Changed the World series. The first one just dropped. They're about 10,000 words. They're adventure books for kids through the lens of Trinitarian. It's adventure, so it's mostly story, fun stuff, but the Trinitarian Christocentric. Uh, yeah, it's fun. So that's David. I Changed the World uh, is the book series, and uh, we'll, we'll be releasing one, one a quarter. So the, we're working on uh, Miriam right now. So yeah, a lot of that stuff. And you can find those books uh, at a family story as well, familystory.org. Or I'm at, at Jason Clark is on Twitter. And that's my Instagram handle as well. Handle. Awesome. Well, it has been so fun. I hate to shut the conversation down. Thanks, Kathy. You have to stop somewhere, but you just need to come back. It's just all that needs to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. This was amazing. Yeah. Was so yeah. Fun. Thanks for having us, Catherine. We really, really, really have loved getting to know you better and uh we're excited for the work and the ministry that you're a part of as well we're following you closely amen yeah thank you thank you all right everybody you know what to do you need to share you need to go on amazon you need to go find them it's all good anyway everybody have a wonderful day thank you for watching bye-bye thanks for joining us on this episode of perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit katherinetoon.com.